Hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of No Life Like Show Life. Today, we will be talking about a topic that's very important to me because we will be talking about making the first steps in the industry, in our sport, and what it's like to be a newcomer. And my guest today is Stephanie Bumenza. Steffi, can you tell us about yourself? Yes, sure. Um, first of all, uh, thanks for inviting me. It's a very nice and interesting topic. So um, I'm uh, running an all-around training barn close to Dusseldorf, about like 30 minutes away. I usually have between like um, eight and 12 um, horses in training, plus customers for coaching. Um, I'm giving lessons and clinic basically all over Europe. I'm currently holding my um, judges cards for um, AQHA, APHA, NSBA, and APHC. So um, I'm, I would like to judge more actually, but I cannot really combine that with my um, showing and clinic schedule. So um, I'm doing that more on the side. Like education wise, I worked in the States for a while um, at the beginning of my career and um, finished this with a state license program here in Germany as like a state license riding instructor and bar manager, which I'm currently completing with, um, it's, it's a special German education, but it's similar to a bachelor in equine science. I think what might be interesting too um, for your topic is that I'm volunteering for DQHA for almost, I think, 10 years. At the moment, I'm um, in the sport committee again, which I'm basically for the last um, eight years. Plus, I got elected as a new international director for DQHA. Plus, for AQHA, APHA, and DQHA, um, I'm joining the Professional Horseman program, which I'm really enjoying. Um, and I'm still currently the speaker for DQHA professionals. But we will um, vote the next couple of weeks, so we will see how that will keep on going. Um, so I think um, that's pretty much all you need to know or unless you have any further questions. So can you tell our listeners a bit more about your success in the show pen and maybe even client successes? Yeah, sure. Like I mainly show trail, Western riding, Western pleasure, hunter under saddle, halter and launch line myself. So all the all-around classes. And um, I think like we won like the Europeans, the German championship titles, futurity and maturity champion and like high point champions with DQHA and AQHA over the years. Like my customers might have been even more successful than I was. They also won like a bunch of titles in the Europeans and German championships and the Hansi deputation or in the horsemanship or showmanship. Yeah, I was pretty lucky with great customers and great horses the past years. And you just mentioned that you're part of the professional horseman program for AQHA, APHA, and DQHA. And for everyone who is not quite familiar with this, can you explain what that means exactly? Well, it's basically a program where all the professionals get like a, a platform, basically a chain link between the professionals and the associations. To apply, you need to have like a certain background, plus you have to sign a code of ethics where you basically guarantee that you treat horses in a certain way, like animal welfare is a big topic, and how you would run your business. So um, that you're reliable to clients, how you like work on financials. And yeah, that's basically the basic system of it. It's mainly, it is a volunteering program. So we basically donate our time 
to certain association programs. And as far as I know, you also offer stuff like Ride the Pattern programs that make it easier for newcomers to get into the industry, right? Yes, exactly. Like I think the best known um, professional horseman program is actually the Ride the Pattern program. I got to know it a bunch of years ago in the States and I really liked it. So that was basically the first thing we took over when we started the DQHA program in Germany. What we do is that for each pattern class, we get like one professional who gets one of her, their customers and they actually write this pattern and will explain what is important pattern wise, what you might have to be careful with following the rule book, where you get like pluses and minuses um, from the judges. And like, especially for horsemanship, like how the outfit should look like, how the rider should be prepared. And then like the spectators can like ask millions of questions. And I always have the feeling it really, first of all, helps exhibitors. And second, you kind of get rid of all the ideas which are actually not said in the rule book. I mean, you know, there are like tons of ideas out there, which might somebody have said, but which are actually not written in the rule book. So um, yeah, that's uh, like a nice program, I think. Yes, I agree. I absolutely love it because I think it gives you a great platform to ask questions without feeling embarrassed, you know. But before we get to the topic of how to get into the industry and get into our sport, I want to know what were your first steps in the industry? How did your career start? And can you just maybe explain how you got into showing? Well, I got into showing, I think, yeah, it was actually still um, at the Allbreed Association, like the EWU, because my friend and I had like a quarter horse Welsh cop mix. So we couldn't join any DQHA or AQHA shows. So we showed like all different kind of use classes, like from reining, horsemanship, I think showmanship. No, showmanship was still not existing at EWU back then. But yeah, everything you could probably think about, we tried. But there was still like a use program, like DQHA use program, where you could also join with a non-quarter horse. And my former trainer um, offered those camps and clinics. So I took part with my horse there. I basically, yeah, got hooked there. So the trainer obviously had like different quarter horses and paints there. So we spent our vacations there and our holidays and got to ride great and fun horses. Actually, after I was done with school, I was not even thinking about getting into the horse business, but I just wanted to spend some time um, in the States. Yeah. And thought um, I could do it like... Um, with horses probably better than um, than any other program so um yeah i was happy to end up like with a cutting trainer first and then um, high point performance horses was looking for an intern and then i applied and i got the job there and then i was totally hooked <laughs> that's how it started what was your original plan after school because you said you didn't want to become a trainer I actually wanted to um, study veterinarian. Yeah, I had like a year off basically because I was not able to get a spot at university right away. And that's like a holiday program turned out to be like my, my job. <laughs> And back then, did you feel like it was easy to get into the AQHA or DQHA shows, you know, like mainly the shows on a higher level? Back then, for me, it felt like an, something that I would never reach. It was super far away financially plus horse-wise plus even education-wise. 
like the the amount of of information and education you can now get with all those different programs like online programs they didn't exist back then like you had the rule book and that was it basically so today as a trainer What's one of the first things you tell people who want to get into our sport who haven't shown before? It depends on what their goal is, but definitely that they get a trainer which they trust, where they like the outcome, like the work the trainers produce, like horse-wise and um, even like clients-wise. So if you see somebody like an amateur ride, And you feel like, oh, that looks nice. And like the communication between the trainer and the amateur sounds like something you would like that would definitely be a trainer that would would match your ideas and your criteria. That's definitely like one step. And out of the judge's perspective, read the rule book. That's something that's always an issue we see when we are judging that people try to participate and do not even know what the judges are looking for. Oh yeah, I can I can feel that. I feel guilty at the moment because I think I've asked you so many questions in the past without reading the rule book properly. So shame on me, but that's actually a good piece of advice. As you know, I also wanted to talk about youth kids. And can you tell me what you do if you get a new client that's a youth kid and you know hasn't shown yet? How do you get them used to everything that's going on at shows? So do you sit down and explain it to them? Or is it more like going to the show and learning by doing? Well, probably it's both. First of all, I like to teach them a certain kind of like work ethic and like a system how we treat the horses. Because we cannot talk it nicely like young kids who have the opportunity to show on the on the very high level or even have a horse, they have the tendency to might get a little bit spoiled. I mean, with 12 or 13, I mean, we both know it. I mean, I remember how I was. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't know you back then, but we all had our moments. So um, I like to be pretty clear about like the behavior. It's basically about like general education. And then after we figured out that, I might give them to read like the rule book, how I said, so that they basically know how like the classes are working. I get them prepared like for the class procedures at home so that they know, let's say they want to like show in the horsemanship, that they are secure with our pattern works, how the way work works and how our system and our preparation would be and then at the horse show we have a pretty straight program how we get the horses ready and how we get the clients ready usually it's pretty sorted I mean you never know but usually it is <laughs> and um, usually they go with the flow then I mean they're like amateurs knows the drill for years already and they usually take care of the new ones and then it's actually easy to apply for them to get into the system and for me personally It's never about like results or winning in the beginning. It's more to get into a system and to appreciate the learnings. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, it's no secret that I've been part of your team for quite some years now. And something that I actually admired is when I witnessed one time you told a youth kid to smile and be friendly in the words presentation despite not being happy with the result. And I think that's probably one of the main things that impressed me because I feel like it's so important to 
teach the young kids a certain way of behaving at the shows, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, for me, that's more important than any result that like pay more attention to this stuff in the beginning than if they close their elbows or had their heels down or whatever because those are details you can work on but what I personally hate if especially kids get rude to like other competitors or people who work on the showground if the doorman tells a kid be ready at cone a like in 10 seconds or whatever and they keep on riding circles and circles and circles and don't listen i think i kicked one of my kids already out of the class when they did that because because they they would not learn and i mean especially like we, we just said in this age period it's just important that they get certain things straight because it would end up in a bad behavior towards the horse too I mean, if they yell at me, I can stand that. But if they start being like stupid to the horse, that's what the whole team actually agrees on. And we won't take it. That's just super important to us. Absolutely. I know that when I was younger, I always felt a little lost on the show circuit because as you said back then, there was hardly any opportunity to get advice or coachings, tutorials, whatever from the internet so yeah I just didn't know how everything was done at the show and that kind of stressed me out so do you know if there are any programs tactics strategies to make it easier for newcomers so that they don't feel lost the professional horseman program would help there too because we usually unless like the showmanship might forget it um, have a list um, hanging out where all the show results are, which like names on competitors who are professional horsemen. So whenever you recognize them, you can always step up there and um, ask any questions. Questions on the pattern, on equipment or whatever you have. And they will be more than happy to answer it, actually. Even like present at the showground or it already happened to me that somebody couldn't find me and the show management told me that I'm there and they just texted me on Facebook which is more than fine too. Um, actually, I answered the question there and then we met personally too. So um, I think that will help people a lot. And actually, there are like tons of programs, FNQs um, on AQHA or DQHA website. Your website is great too, because there are tons of articles with great trainers on where you can find information. And also all the bigger associations have like YouTube tutorials. And there you know that the information you get is correct. Ah, Thank you so much. But it's actually a good point you make because in the past, many people have texted me on the Show Life Instagram or Facebook and asked questions on pattern or equipment, just as you mentioned. And most of the time, I actually sent those questions to you and you answered them. And you also took part in our project, Ask the Judge, which I think we should repeat at some point, because I feel like there's so many questions out there. Some are kind of like very general, such as, I don't know, what should one wear in the horsemanship? Others were actually quite specific, right? But what are the questions that people ask you the most? Probably equipment questions about bits, like if they're illegal or not. Then pattern questions sometimes, like language barrier might be a point so that people are not quite sure and don't really quite understand if the pattern is written in English, if it's the correct wording they think. 
penalties are pretty big too, like um, that they sometimes don't understand um, what is allowed, what is not allowed. But really, like lately, I feel that the questions are getting more specific because the easier questions, um, it's easier to figure out by themselves by now. I mean, early in the days, it was really very plain, simple questions. But by now, like the DQHA translated the whole like QHA rule book. So even that language barrier point is easier now that people can just read it in German, which is great, I think. You just mentioned that people can always walk up to anyone who's part of the professional horseman program and just ask the questions. But what if I'm at the show and I don't know like who is who or I might, you know, just guess from a Facebook profile picture that that might be the person. Where can I find help? Well, first of all, the show management, like show secretary, they will always help. Like I have even like show managers coming up with the with the rider and finding me and just handing the rider basically to me and uh, asking the question. But then, I mean, Facebook, that is super, super easy. I mean, find my name or somebody else's name if you know they should be on the showground on Facebook. And I mean, um, they will probably answer unless they don't have any time I mean for DQHA we try to get everyone like a jacket or a t-shirt or a badge to wear at the showground so people can find us easier but to be honest I mean you know how it is you're like running back and forth changing like show clothes normal clothes you don't really think about wearing your shirt again you forget your badge that's just not so easy to figure that out But like, yeah, usually, I mean, go to a show secretary and they will be more than happy to get you like a professional horseman to find them and to get some help. Yeah. And you probably don't want to wear a t-shirt for 10 days straight of the European Championship, right? Yeah, that's the point too. I mean, for smaller shows, um, we really try to pay attention to that, like for like one day or two day shows, we try to have our batches straight and there it is easier. But as you said, like for a 10 day show, you want to get out of the shirt sooner or later out of the jacket. But also one other tip would be, which I forgot before, there is an Ask the Judge program. So whenever there is a smaller show and there might be some time in the schedule, Usually the judges are more than happy to answer like questions. If you have a feeling you and some other competitors have troubles with, with the trail or with the horsemanship pattern, the first day go up to the show secretary and ask them if there might be some time um, to add like a um, small ask the judge uh, meeting. And then the judge can come up like to the group or just you, they will announce it. Um, and then you can ask the judge your detailed program or questions and um, they will answer it. I mean, obviously, like in Croyd, when we show from seven o'clock in the morning until midnight, there's not really time to ask to add like an ask the judge. But for the smaller shows, when there's like a longer lunch break, they can do it and they will be happy to do it, actually. Yeah. And I have to stress that I can only encourage people to just ask because when I was younger, I was basically just too afraid to ask. And I think that was partly because I feel like some people, not you, but <laughs> other people are partly coming across as probably like a little arrogant or, you know, kind of like out of my reach. Do you feel like that's a problem we have in our industry? I can see your point. Definitely. I mean, knowing myself when I have like 10 horses with me, didn't get enough sleep for the last five or six days. I think from the outside, being stressed 
might look a little bit unfriendly to other people, which I, I do not even think about like one person who would come to my mind who would not answer a question when somebody comes up to them and asks them politely. Like, um, I mean, obviously we need to be a little bit more open and eventually like address newcomers um, more and try to include them more because I have the feeling that's a very closed up circle. And unless you get a trainer who is already in this circle, it's super hard for newcomers to get in. But probably that's like in every new sport or like if you try to get into a new group, the system is running. That's like in every social part uh, where it's hard to get into um, an already existing group. But yeah, it's for sure it would be easier for newcomers if we would be a little bit more open. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, you know, because riding itself is quite an exclusive sport and you have western riding which is an even smaller group then you have different associations and even within those associations you have little groups such as the raining the all around then you have the very very small group of people who go to the championships so yeah it's kind of like as you say a quite an exclusive circle but what else can we do to make it easier for newcomers not just you know the professional horse women and men but everyone well i really think that the beginning is probably like the smaller shows and try to like not talking about like like croyd or the big championship shows talking about the smaller shows like the single judge shows it would be way easier if we would have more of those i mean we had some actually the last couple of years here in our region um and like the schedule was a little bit nicer for the participants. So we were like done at six o'clock at night and we started to have barbecues again, which we did like 10 years ago <laughs> and never really had time for it, which was super fun. And um, I have some customers who are like super open to new people and it's really easy for them to include them. So they just stepped up to somebody new, which they didn't uh, know and asked them if they want to join the barbecue and they came up and joined us. And the next day they already knew new people and they were not shy of asking questions again. I think this is the smaller level and being a little bit more personal and being more open. That's where it would definitely start to become a little bit easier for newcomers. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that's something everyone can do. And I think we all have to remind ourselves to just, you know, do that all the time. Because when it comes to my part, I sometimes just tend to forget that when I'm around, as you just say, you're stressed out and you're tired and you're, I don't know, in my case, nervous because you're showing, you probably forget to, you know, just smile at someone or ask someone if they need help. And yeah, you're absolutely right. But let's get to another topic, because as you mentioned, you've worked in the States for quite a while. Has that changed your perspective to our sport? Yes, for sure. I mean, the first time I worked there was probably like 15 years ago. And what we already mentioned before, the whole social media system was not really existing back then. So if I knew some of the people or even like the industry um, in the States back then, it might have been of like random online magazines um, or whatever, but like the informations were just not as big. I was super lucky that I always worked for great horsemen and they always were very straight on their work ethic 
and how they want to have the horses treated and how their whole program worked. And um, even until now, they all have the attitude that they want to give back to the industry. Like whoever I work for, they still volunteer, even if they already won everything and they actually, I think they don't have to work anymore. Basically, they still love what they do. They volunteer for AQHA, they volunteer for youth programs. And they, um, they come up with like new programs too, like all these online shows they did last year or like some new online talks they do. It's like all um, for free and they just do it because they want to get um, new people um, in the sport and want to get like the right information out. And that was the attitude they always had and they were willing to teach me whatever I wanted to know about riding but also what I needed to know about being in the horse business. And can you tell our listeners a bit about the time at High Point Performance Horses because as you know the people love to hear from any experience from the states so can you describe what your you know daily routine looked like when you were at High Point Performance Horses? Well actually it um, it changed a lot during the time I was there. I think it goes back a little bit to the working ethic they want to teach you. When I came there the first time I just washed and groomed horses, turned them out, put them into the walker, got them ready and launched them. That was basically what I did the first weeks which I I mean Back then, I obviously, I mean, I liked it. I liked to be around the horses. I liked, like to watch what I was seeing, to observe them, to ask different questions. But it's obviously super hard work. And I think probably the first weeks, I probably rode like one horse a day and that was it. But after they realized I really wanted to work and I was willing to put like a whole of effort in it, I got more and more horses to ride. Obviously, they always like helped me out and told me what I had to do. But like for me, High Point is really great to sort out people like whoever, like if I go back now, whoever worked there for a longer period um, is definitely a great horse person now. And they treat the horses right and they run their business straight and correct and whoever didn't make it at high point didn't make it on their own either yeah and later on I mean um, Charlie and Jason are great teachers they love to teach you and um, they love to share their knowledge so um, I basically got to ride all of their great horses um, especially for the western riding and for the trail Um, and I was allowed to get like the feeling how it should feel in the end um, and then they got me like on the greener horses um, and they tried to help me to figure out how I get like a greener horse to a level of a finished show horse. So um, that was basically how it changed, like from the more grooming and um, yeah, basic horse work to trying to help me to get like the trainer I wanted to be. And I think the work ethic is something you still have until today and probably always will have. And I know you're not going to like what I'm going to say, but I feel like you're such a hardworking person. And sometimes I wonder how you're, I don't know, getting everything done. But do you feel like that's something you kind of got from the US to just work hard and you develop a certain work ethic? I think I for sure that the States um, showed me that you definitely need that. I mean, my, my parents were always self-employed, so I, I knew what it means to work hard and long hours. So that was definitely not new for me because just learning, I think you won't learn it in the States. Like if you don't have it, 
you won't survive the first two weeks. I mean, you have been there too. You know what I'm talking about. Like, like yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a week at the World Show can be like, or at the Congress can be like super long. You're basically crawling after five days. But what you find out is if you're really willing to do it. If you fly home after a couple of months and you're still like, okay, I get you my next ticket and I will be back in a couple of months then you know that you're hooked up and you want to do it and you're like willing to work hard for it. And I think work ethic is so important because as you know, from my personal background, it sometimes, I don't know if I can say it like that, but it pisses me off to see people who just want to get into the sport, get on a horse and win. That's kind of an attitude I don't like. So what do you do if you get a client who expects that or how do you teach your especially the younger clients to develop that work ethic well that's a good question actually <laughs> well i always make sure that the horse comes first so how i mentioned before it didn't happen once that i might have ruined a class for one of my use kids like if they are on a certain point where they should know their schedule and they should know when to get the horse ready and that they actually should know how the system works to get the horse and themselves ready and they're late, they're late. I mean, there might be some lessons you need to put the youth kids through to just learn it. Or, I mean, even when they get mad um, at the horse and they might take results out on the horse or even like before the class, if it doesn't work out, I get them off the horse. I mean, that's basically it. I'm making sure that I talk to those situations um, with, the, with the parents before. That's definitely something I learned. I won't take any customer anymore. Like when I get a new customer, like especially with the youth kids, I talk to the parents before. Um, I will tell them what my focuses are on. And that's not on winning first. That's on treating the horse correct, getting correct riding skills first. And then as a result, the, res the show results will come in, but not the other way around. And if I have the feeling that already the parents are not on this track, I mean, I will be lost. Like if I try to teach the kid something and then the parents come up to me and think that I didn't treat the kid right, I mean, I cannot change it anymore if they talk into the other directions. So that's something I changed and I learned. I try to be on the same track with the parents. Yeah, communication is key, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's so important to be honest about that because I feel like horse trainer is probably one of the jobs where you're on such a thin line between serving a client because they pay for it, but also serving the horse because they can need you to step in for animal welfare, right? Yeah, that, that's 100% right. And like for for young trainers it is super hard because for sure you want to get like the training horses in and you need the money and you need the results but in the end of the day you need to look into the mirror and you need to be able to look at yourself still and that's something i learned pretty quick that you need to figure out like a program you can live with and i mean that was for myself probably a time of um, of one or two years where it was like super hard to try to get those customers sorted. But I realized for myself that I won't be happy in the long run if I need to do something with or like training stuff with the horses, which I didn't like 
and I cannot follow. So um, I just changed my training system, my training goal a little bit and actually focus more on long-term all around horses and amateur horses instead of futurity horses and futurity wins. Um, because my program might be a little bit slower than other programs. But for me, it's more rewarding to have a long time result, like even for the horse or for the rider. Yeah, and it takes a long time. I think that's probably one piece of advice I would give people because it always sounds kind of cheesy if you say that you need hard work to be successful. It sounds kind of romantic, you know, that at the end of the hard work, there will be success, which sometimes it feels like there isn't. Sometimes you feel like you work and you work and you work and there isn't any result. But I feel like to be happy in this industry, you have to work for your success, if that makes sense. No, it does, 100%. And um, I think that is what is a little bit different in Germany or eventually even in Europe than it is in the States. We have more like a, a riding or like a horsemanship attitude. I don't have one client who doesn't want to know uh, how I train their horse or how it actually works. I mean, they might not be able to like do it by themselves in the beginning, but sooner or later, they might be able to ride their horses for a longer time by themselves. Like in the States, you have two groups of customers. You have like the one great amateurs who can easily train their young horses by themselves or like with the help of a customer too, and they're uh, of a trainer too. And then there is the other group who are actually only showing and they don't make a huge deal out of it. They come to the horse shows, they get like the lesson from the trainer, they put the hand down and they show. I think I have the feeling we don't have this over here so much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me personally, like I would hate it to just go to the show and you ride my horse and I just get on and show. I can understand that probably at a certain age, like if you're a select rider or something like that, you you do it that way. And I mean, of course, everyone is free to do whatever they want. But I feel like this sport is a lot about progress and about working for little results that become like a big result in the end, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to look back at those journeys as well. If you had advice for newcomers, what would it be? Read the rule book. <laughs> that's definitely. Oh, again. Read the rule. Yeah, that's, uh, that never gets old. Um, for different reasons. I mean, eventually you even figure out that what is written in the rule book, you, didn't, you do not even like, or that's not what you want to do in the end then it's actually a waste of time and a lot of stress for not reaching a goal you actually 100% want to go for. That would be my first advice, the topic we already talked about earlier. You need to find the right trainer for you. Might be a question of distance, like if you're like willing to travel further or not. But in the end, personally, it needs to match and training-wise, it needs to match. There might be great trainers out there which train young horses great, but their passion is not training the amateurs or the youth kids, um, which is okay too, but which might be like great show persons. But on the other way around, um, there might be like great, great teachers and they say by themselves, well, don't get me on a horse and force me to show. So you need to find like um, your 
your best match. And also, whenever you're in doubt or have any questions, you will always find different programs on the web pages of the different associations. So if it's EWU or DQHA or uh, APHA, they all have their programs for amateurs on where they can um, find help or ask questions. And the associations will be always happy um, to find the right answers. Absolutely. But when looking back to your first steps in the industry, what's something you wish you had known? Pretty much really anything, because back then we just got our horses. And I mean, we already were pretty spoiled because we took like already pretty good lessons twice a month. But we ended up to being all alone on our shows. And it took us forever before we figured out that it is important if the first cone in the horsemanship is on your left or on your right side. Like, I mean, stuff like this, like we plain basic. Um, and that horsemanship is actually about my body position and not so much about the horse. That was stuff, I mean, I didn't know. We entered the horsemanship and we thought, okay, we need like to write this pattern, which was drawn there. And that's it. Nobody ever told us that it was about our body position and that we eventually should practice on that. Okay, but I can top that because for quite a long time, a longer time that I want to admit, I actually thought that it's good if you ride a horsemanship pattern with really long reins. Like really, really, really long reins. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the point. I mean, nowadays it's so easy to ask questions and to find uh, answers, which might not always be correct. I mean, that's the point. I mean, it's not always correct what you find online. So you need to be make sure that the sources are correct. But um, that's exactly what happened. I mean, there were no videotaping. That was the point. I mean, we, we went back to our trainer two weeks later and he was like, okay, how was it? And I mean, either we were like, yeah, great. We don't know why we didn't place. I mean, but there was <laughs> a way to show him if it was that great or if it wasn't. So um, yeah, it was all like all the progress was like super slow because the informations were so slow. Yes. So, um, that's definitely, uh, yeah, that's one point for sure. I mean, it was great fun. I don't want to miss that. But uh, yeah, we did like some embarrassing stuff, I think. <laughs> yeah, and back then, we didn't even have those videos of the world show or anything the like, where one judge would just do like, uh, uh, how do you say it? Like, judge the winning run. I think those were so helpful. But I think the first time I saw th something like that, I was probably... 18 already or something so all of my youth years I kind of relied on the information I was given from you know just people around the area I just wish someone had told me that a pair of black chaps and a black shirt that fits are totally fine because I got so many ugly outfits you can't believe it and I you know I wish I could travel back in time Yeah, same, same. Like the first, I know it was not the first time. The second time I was in the States, I got to know like this big, big, not secret, but like get a good shaped hat and a good shaped shirt and eventually some good fitting chaps. And that's all you need to have for the beginning. That's the same. I mean, yeah, get your head shaped. That's definitely another advice. <laughs> that's all you need to have. That's basically what it is about. A good shaped head, shirt, chaps, how you said, and then you're good to go. 
it's money that's well spent, you know, because when I was younger, I spent money on ugly outfits and ugly blankets and terrible combinations. But I kind of felt like I had to do it because everyone else was doing it. And if I had just known that I just need to spend money on a well-fitting black shirt and, you know, like pick a nice pair of chaps and a shaped hat, I probably would have saved money and looked better. Yeah, uh, that's definitely true. And that's something I like to do when I judge. And I think that goes back to my youth career. Whenever I, I see a class or even like a, a whole horse show where you see a certain trend, which is not really what you're looking for in general, I try to get the people together either like in the lineup or try to get like my scribe to inform them that it might be a little bit better or better looking if they change this or that, because some things are so easy. It doesn't even cost one cent and they will score better or their result will be better. For me as a judge, it's hard to not mix match the judge's head and the coach's head. But I have the feeling that judges nowadays are more open to those kind of problems. Back then, I had the same feeling that you mentioned before. The judge was always like the... I don't know, God is a little bit too hard of a word, but you, I would never have dared to ask a judge, never. Um, and I think, and I hope actually that this gets a little bit better. Yeah, and I actually hope that any newcomers are just picking up that advice because I don't know how many times I've written in an article, just get a neat, clean, well-fitting shirt in maybe any color you like and any color that matches your blanket and your horse because the information is out there. So I can only encourage everyone who's new to take the advice and work with it and not make the mistakes that we made. Yeah, definitely true. Keep it simple, easy, clean, correct, simple. Those are key, basically. That's even like from the judge's perspective, people have the tendency to add too much degree of difficulty to their runs too early. I mean, most of the classes I judge, you will easily win with a 70. I think <laughs> you ahead. probably have to explain like what degree of difficulty means for anyone who's quite new to the sport. You know, like the scale of correctness and you could, you should probably um, explain that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so um, we basically have a, um, a hierarchy of judging. Um, so you look for correctness first um, and then you correct would be um, let's say for the gates I mean that's the easiest um, the easiest explanation a four bead gate in the lobe will not be correct so you can be super super slow loping in a western pleasure if your horse is four beating um, you won't win this class so it needs to be correct so a correct three bead gate first uh, and then the next um, level would be quality. I think that's probably the easiest for Western pleasure too. If you have a horse that is super soft, has like a ground covering jog, nice top line, like all those um, explanations you, you would add to a horse, which you would think it's positive. This is um, the quality. So if you have like two equal horses, which are both correct, and one horse has more quality, this horse would place above the horse which is just correct but if you add more quality 
but you're losing the correctness, you would easily place lower. And then the third level is um, the degree of difficulty, which for the Western pleasure is most likely like the speed. So same system, if you have a horse or two horses, which are correct and they have a certain amount of quality and one horse is slower than the other one, but the slower one is still maintaining the quality and the correctness, this one would win. But if you add the degree of difficulty, so you try to slow your horse down and then you're losing a certain amount of quality, so softness or all of a sudden the horse starts to bobbing its head or it even loses the, the correctness. So all of a sudden it's four beating, then you will place way, way lower. Um, and you can just add this system to whatever discipline you're basically showing in. So um, for the trail, it's super easy. Exhibitors have the tendency to try to add too much speed or a too long rein too quick. So they, it would actually be easier for them to have a little bit of shorter rein, to do it like maneuver by maneuver, be like correct and slow and think about your, their next step and staying out of the penalty box. And then they will be easily way, way better um, in their placing than in adding some degree of difficulty, like speed or whatever. It is so true. And I think not only for newcomers, but I also have to remind myself of it quite some time, maybe like once a year to just adhere to that scale and not get into degree of difficulty too fast. Right. But oh. one last thing I want to touch upon is the fact that, you know, you have to work hard in the sport and sometimes you will be successful, but many, many times you will also be disappointed and I just want to know, how do you explain to your clients, maybe especially the younger ones, how to deal with that feeling? I mean, the, the easiest and the first sentence that comes to my mind is there will always be another horse show. And that sentence I heard so often, like when I worked in the States the first time, and it is actually true. I mean, there is nothing really changing in our lives when we are coming home without the ribbon we wished for or without the title we wished for. We might be sad for a couple of days or whatever. And usually like in your everyday life, you might even forget it. And there will be another championship and there will be another horse show where you can try better or harder or practice more or whatever. And usually like when the kids, the, especially like the younger kids are in this, in this losing situation, let's say, I still force them to get the horse ready because that's something I don't like. Like if they just hand the horse to mom and dad and just take off and go somewhere and cry. I mean, they can cry, but they need to get the horse ready first. Um, and then usually, I mean, usually I leave them alone. That's what, what usually works the best. They just settle down. And that's where the, the group, the amateur group or youth kid group I have um, always takes, usually takes over um, out of their experience because they have done it for so long and they usually get the kids to the side and tell them, well, you, you know what I had. And then they start to tell them like stories where a championship didn't work out for them. And then the next championship, they won a gold medal or whatever. And then usually that works. It does. But yeah. I feel it's kind of risky in those times to say that there will be another horse show. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's <laughs> say so usually there will be another horse show. Yes. 
who knew that the Q19 was our last big show? I mean, <laughs> back then yes. it would not have been a good advice. Yes, usually it's a good piece of advice. Yeah, and thank you so much for all the other pieces of advice. And thank you so much for talking to me. It was a pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me.